In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? I think there is a, a certain whiplash quality to the, to the gospel lessons in Advent. We spend Advent bouncing around the whole of the gospel narrative. In, in week one, we heard from Jesus at the end of his ministry, as he pointed toward the end times and the culmination of history. Last week, we heard from John the Baptist as he awaited and proclaimed the coming of the Messiah before Jesus was even baptized, and thus before Jesus' public ministry began. This week, we hear of John after he has been arrested by Herod, and, and this is setting in the middle of Jesus' ministry. Last week, John passionately called his listeners to be of changed hearts and lives and to bear fruit worthy of that change. But this week, John seems despondent in prison. Undoubtedly, I could be reading into to John's question of Jesus, but it, it seems a question that is both searching and troubled, right? His question represents quite a turn. In Matthew's Gospel, John even resists baptizing Jesus, asserting that, on the contrary, John needed to be baptized by Jesus. <clears throat> and now, John questions whether this one who he wanted to baptize him could be the Messiah or not. John once seemed like he was basically certain that Jesus was the Messiah. He doesn't declare it when he baptizes Jesus, but it was there. And now John wonders. He doesn't know. We're given John's probing question, right? When John heard what the Messiah was doing, now, the Matthew, Matthew, the narrator, wants to tell us and not be shy about the fact that Jesus is indeed the Messiah, but anyway, when John heard what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Where before John seemed convinced that Jesus was the Messiah, now John seems unsure. And we're not told why, and so we're left to guess. Now you could maybe suppose that there might be some disappointment and worry on John's part. After all, he's been arrested. He's been speaking truth to power, and as often happens to prophetic figures, he is paying for it. Languishing in prison, John might be going through some, some reappraisal and might be looking for something to hold on to in the midst of being in that desperate place. John might be longing for something solid on which to place his hope. But if we're going to assume this about John, I think we have to assume that he is despairing and that he didn't know what he was doing when he entered into the prophet's path. And I think that John is built of fierier stuff than that. He took on all the trappings of 
earlier prophets, and he knows that prophets often get into sticky binds. Being a prophet entails patience and suffering, as the letter to James reminds us this morning. It's part of the job description. So I don't think that John is having second thoughts. I think that John asks Jesus this question because John once believed that Jesus was the Messiah, and now he is unsure. And John is unsure because he doesn't believe that Jesus is acting like the Messiah should. It's worth remembering that there was a a typical understanding of what the Messiah would and should do. And Jesus probably wasn't living into that understanding. The typical understanding was that the Messiah was to reestablish the throne of David as a king in the Davidic lineage. The Messiah would overthrow Israel's enemies and would establish God's kingdom of justice and righteousness. And folks had really sound scriptural warrant for believing that this would be so. But Jesus isn't living into this model. Jesus isn't raising an army and heading towards revolution or insurrection. Rather, Jesus seems more bent on healing sick people. He seems more hell-bent on befriending tax collectors and sinners and eating with them. Jesus seems more concerned with declaring God's forgiveness and mercy. Jesus seems more bent on calling people to a new way of living and to a higher righteousness. And that that higher righteousness even entails loving one's enemies and praying for those who persecute you. My guess is that to John's eyes, Jesus is not fulfilling his vocation as the Messiah. And that's why we get this question. Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? John's question is about the nature of the Messiah and the kingdom of God. John's question is about what should I hope for? Where should I place my trust? As often fits Jesus and his method, Jesus doesn't really answer John's question in a straightforward way, does he? As opposed to saying, yes, I'm the Messiah, or no, I'm not the Messiah you were expecting, Jesus says this. He tells John's disciples to return to John and tell, what, tell John what they hear and what they see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor have good news brought to them. Blessed is anyone who takes no offense at Jesus. Here, not only is John being asked to observe for himself what is happening, but Jesus is, is citing some, his own scripture in the process. We heard something that Jesus might have been drawing of in that first lesson from Isaiah this morning. He's pointing to that prophetic vision where God makes a way, where the, the blind are healed, the deaf may hear. 
We hear echoes in the psalm as well. And while Jesus is calling on these visions, these images of the kingdom through his own ministry, Jesus is lifting up this as the vision of what God's kingdom will look like, does look like. For Jesus, God's kingdom looks exactly like what is happening all around him. The kingdom of God is healing. The kingdom of God is wholeness and restoration. The kingdom of God is justice and reconciliation. The kingdom is a person, most likely a nobody in the world's eyes, with a virulent skin disease that that has kept them isolated from family and friends and community. And now this person is restored, not only to physical health, but to the fullness of relationship made possible by that health. This is the kingdom. For Jesus, God's kingdom is the marginalized and the excluded being welcomed into the circle of care and regard. It is good news for the poor. For Jesus, God's kingdom is is not the defeat of our so-called enemies, but breaking down of the walls of enmity that separate us one from another. The kingdom happens when severe illnesses are healed, severe illnesses which by their very nature point to the reality of the power of death over our lives. But in the kingdom, even the dead are raised. Jesus both inaugurates this kingdom and is the embodiment of this kingdom. He brings the kingdom with him, and wherever he goes, the kingdom emerges in his midst. It emerges in his presence and through his actions. And as the Messiah, he has not come to secure power and place for himself, but rather has come to serve others and calling on his disciples to serve others as he has served them. In companionship with Jesus, those who look to follow him are meant to witness to the kingdom with their lives. This is what it looks like to serve, by participating in God's kingdom emerging in our midst. Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Maybe this is, maybe this is our question too. One way or another, perhaps we ask it every day of our lives. We look around us and we see a broken world, a world gripped by violence and poverty, disease, racism, sexism, homophobia. We see a world where one group is set against another, this group against that. And I think the temptation in this, a time like this is to immerse ourselves in that way of being in the world. And as such, then, to wait for another Messiah, a Messiah who conforms to the world's ways. That is the temptation. But we are called as followers of Jesus to live into Jesus' way. We are called to witness to the kingdom with our lives. We are called to enter into Christ's way of being in the world and live into what God has already begun 
in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are called to walk in Jesus' way of love. Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? This is another way of asking the question about where we should place our hope, about what our goal should be in life. Behind John's question, I think there is this other question, this deeper question. What do you long for? What is your your heart's deepest and truest desire? When you look into that desire, when you look into that longing, is Jesus the one who is to come? Is his way of love your path too? Or should you wait for another? Or have you been hedging your bets and essentially waiting for another by default? John's question asks us about our desires. It asks us about our hope. In what and in whom do you place your trust, your hope, your love? In this season of Advent, this season of hope and expectation and preparation, the followers of Jesus are called to to place our hope in the reality of God's kingdom having come through and in Christ. We are to place our hope in in, in in the trust that this kingdom is still emerging in our midst. And we are to trust and hope that this kingdom's fulfillment will come in the age to come. Are you the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? What do you hear? What do you see? What do you hope for? What is your deepest longing? Amen.